in case you missed it on Newsbreak. A very good afternoon to you. Welcome to Newsbreak Talk this Sunday afternoon with me, Tarish Hari Prashad. We've got another very important and a very special sentimental discussion lined up for you today. Now, as you sow, so shall you reap. And I think that's something that many, um, I think globally, have, have really understood the science of. But that very that very philosophy took a sentimental meaning this week as South Africa celebrated the 150th anniversary since the arrival of Indians in the country. These indentured labourers toiled the sugarcane fields to sweeten colonial profits but reaped a legacy of immense success themselves. So today on Newsbreak Talk, we trace the journey and I think as is the case with any legacy, we track the progress into the future and look at the great Contribution that Indians have made to South Africa, to, to the to the point that in its in, in its contemporary context, these Indians who toiled the sugarcane fields left a generation of Indian South Africans who you know whose goal and ambition is to um, constantly carry this legacy forward to establishing um, you know, a more solidified and a stronger South Africa as one nation. So I think when you look at those three components, you understand the magnanimity of the 1860 time when a um, group of people from India were brought to South Africa. And we understand that there were over about 300 um, humble laborers who had made their way on November the 16th, 1860, according to, I think, the most popular record. And that indicates that this was the time that a new trajectory in South African um, socio, you know, society and socioeconomics was being created. While that may be the history and the story of habitat, what that brought to South Africa was a unique identity. What it brought was a billion dreams of these people coming to, you know, as they were told, the city of gold at that stage. And what what was left was constant ambition, constant hard work, great emphasis on um education on development and ultimately what you have today is a community so far removed from the very base um, reason as to why they were brought to South Africa and that is you know, so-called glorified slavery. So to talk about this today and look at it in its many contexts, we are very happy to be joined in studio today by Satish Dupilia. Of course, he's, um, I think, a, 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 a very strong historian and researcher on the topic, but of course, very much involved in the 1860 Heritage Centre. Satish, thanks for your time today. Thank you very much and good morning to the listeners as well. So, yes, we are looking forward to so much to talk about today. And I'm very happy to be joined in studio today by Mr. Anand Jairaj. He's the executive member of the 1860 Indentured Laborers Foundation in Verulam. So thanks for coming all through all this way. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, greetings to the listeners. Good afternoon to all of you. Uh, Tarash, it's a great privilege to be uh, to be in your company Thanks in order so to talk much. about this very important very important thing uh, I think uh, gentlemen you've had a busy week haven't you very good <laughs> been, uh, I think Satish let's let, let, let's talk about it then I think before we get into um, I mean I, I do want to you know um, find out um, more about how it was commemorated this time before we get into the mechanics and the sentimentality of the topic sure 
So there have been a number of events. Um, my colleague and good friend Anand the Beer uh, is from Development Indentured uh, Society, and they had a number of events uh, with Praveen Gordon as guest of honor, yeah. and then a big conference where they had people talking about the uh, indentured laborers, and it was very well received by the community. Yeah. The 1860 Heritage Center had two functions. Um, and one of them was a prayer at the beachfront. And then we hosted senior citizens uh, because there are no indentured laborers around. But we hosted the older folk um, who represent a generation away from us. And we treated them to a meal and we talked about indenture. Yeah. And we talked about the importance of the history uh, that we have to know. Yeah. Um, and, and like us, there are other minuscule organizations or um, yeah. tiny organizations in different cities yeah. who've done the same thing. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I have to intercept there with a question though. When you said you spend some time with senior citizens, of course, I think uh, when you look at it from a from, from a generation perspective, they're the closest to those indentured laborers than you know many of us are. And when I speak to them and I watch their eyes light up when they call through as they're going to do in a short while on the show and the stories they, they reveal, it's just such a sentimental time. It, it, you know, it, it harks back to the, to the 1860 time. What was that experience like? Well, we had a few of them who brought in the documents from the time that they... Parents that uh, the grandparents had signed on is yeah. indentured over here, indentured laborers. They brought in all those documents and said they were going to share it with the 1860 Heritage Center yeah. and keep it out there. And it was fascinating to look at it and look at the family tree and look at what the family has achieved since yeah. then. Yeah. Um, so, so it's really a fantastic history that each family has got. And I think it's important that families get to know. Yeah where they came from yeah. and uh, the kind of sacrifices that were made by the indentured laborers so that we could enjoy the fruits today. Absolutely. Back to the back to the commemorations. I mean, I remember in 2010, it kind of reached its crescendo. Of course, that was the 150th year and a um, lot of interest. And I think at that stage, even the young South Africans actually understanding that, wait a second, there's a narrative behind my very existence. Uh, and it's continued now. I think it's the 158th year and still the same amount of momentum. Yes. But um, as a South African, I like to think that we need to take this momentum further. Yep. Um, I live in South Africa and I regard myself as mm. a purebred South African. And I think that when we have such an event, it should be celebrated and commemorated by all South Africans, irrespective of color, mm. because it's a very integral part of the history of this mm. country. And so when we talk of this indenture, it should be encompassing a broader group of people who understand the history of each other, because it's just as it's important for me to know the history of the Zulu people over here, I think it's important for them to also understand our history. Yeah. And we should be sharing this kind of history with the different groups in our country. Because ultimately, Bishop Tutu said that we are a rainbow nation. And if we're a rainbow nation and we're going to be working together and standing side by side, we need to know each other's history. We mm. need to know where we started and where we're ending. Wonderful. And I think to the I think the north side of, of things, Mr. Anand Jairaj, very busy on your side as well. I know you guys have had, um, and on what's fascinating around this time, and it's it's such a treasure to to listen to, is when organisations like yourself um, bring through academics, researchers, and you present fascinating papers about what happened during that time. And you've done a lot of that this week. Yes, we've done quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I would like at this stage, uh, take a cue from our friend uh, Satish. Yeah. Uh, we are localized in Vernon. Mm. But of course, it doesn't mean that we concentrate on Vernon. But yep. it is, you know, we got to take bite-sized duties. But 
And uh, Satish took, uh, spoke about many at the organization. What I'd like to envisage is all those organizations dovetail with the, I think I would like and I'll ask the Heritage Center in Derby Street to become the focal point where we actually channel our energy so it is centralized. And it's important for us to get to the wider community. Mm. And we can't do it disparately in Verlum and you know, in different areas. So yeah. I think we need a central focal point. And I think Heritage Center might be the one to do it and make sure to coordinate so that the message goes out. And the other point that we made that emanated from the conference, we took some resolutions, which we'll talk about a little sure. later. We had taken a pledge as well. And uh, uh, But what we'd like to also emphasize mm-hmm. is that we need to make sure that as the Indian, in the descendants of the Indian uh, indentures, we don't look ourselves as a separate disparate organization yeah. it must be now integrated into the overall history of south africa we right. as indian we must call ourselves south africans yeah and maybe of indian descent not the other way around and that's always a very fascinating yeah. discussion and a very fascinating point to dissect because you know when you commemorate the Indians and and I think you know let's make the distinction in 1860 mm. there were Indians today yes. it's Indian yeah. South Africans no it's Africans uh, of Indian absolutely descent. of yeah, Indian South descent um, how then do you you know inculcate that integration you're speaking about to Remember that honor, that legacy of the 1860 people, mm. but within the South African context. We can do it, and that is what we need to educate the people. You know, they must not. Uh, I, I notice a lot of posting comes, and Satish will also do it. You know, the people talk about India and India's achievement by South African Indians, mm. or, you know, Indians, uh, as South Africans of Indian descent. We can. We get our inspirations from India, a lot of our religions and our culture and everything. We imbibe that from India. Yeah. Let us use that because we came with a, our ancestors came with a very very rich and ancient culture but let us assimilate it into the south african context let the others know about our role here you mentioned a very important thing sometimes we are seen what have we done as south africans remember something and and listeners must remember that when the uh, india started coming at that time the finances and the economy of colonial natal was in a parlous situation it was on the verge of bankruptcy mm. The Natal Mercury carried an article in 1859. It says that the fate of the colony rests, uh, hangs on a thread, and that thread is labor. They didn't have labor. And that is when they turned to uh, the Indian the indenture. Yep. And the Indian indenture is recorded. They actually saved Natal from bankruptcy. Mm. So, Satish, then I think a very significant uh, contribution then by this group of people who ultimately became South Africans of Indian origin to not only KwaZulu-Natal, but I think the country. Yes. So what I'd like to say is that it's very easy to sell this concept to the rest of South Africa and to get them to appreciate this because while the group of people that arrived here were Indians and they were endangered laborers, they and subsequent generations took on South African citizenship. But they didn't live in a confined space that was only Indians. They integrated themselves, they associated, they mixed with other race groups as well. So our history is intertwined with that of the other race groups in this country. For example, if you look at subsequent generations, uh, or you look at somebody who ran a hotel, they would talk about their favorite waiter that worked for them during the time of indenture and how good he was and what a good manager he was, etc. You go on from there and then you look at the uh, uh, the struggle for uh, against apartheid and you look at the number of Indians that mixed, uh, even though the political parties were all straight-laced, in other words, they were only for African people and only for Indian people, 
these people got together and mixed and went to meetings together. So we had Dr. Montenaika, who associated with Dr. Kuma. Hmm. We had the uh, Consulate 6. Um, Archie Gumeria was in there with Mewa Ramgovan and Billy Naya. Mm-hmm. So we find that our history is intertwined with that of other race groups. And at the 1860 Heritage Center... We want to tell that story. Yeah. So when people of different race groups and different cultures come over there, we are able to tell them that our history is a part of your history as well. Yeah. So yeah. you would know people and um, you find that this now makes our history more attractive. Yeah. So I think that saying that this day should be commemorated by everybody is an important thing yeah. because it's, it's a, it was a catalyst for us to come in here, become South Africans, and then take our role as true South Africans alongside yeah, everybody yeah. else. I mean, you could look at it from the prong of the Doctors' Pact, for instance, which was an integration of, yeah. of, of you know, South African people coming together at such a top level. Or the fact that, and you know, if I can speak from experience here, and I'm sure many can, um, how one could be in awe of the senior citizens in our families who spoke in fluent Isi Zulu to the people around them. How did the indentured labourer learn that language? And that just in- indicates the way they were able to meld and integrate into um I think one people and then create a legacy for South Africa. Sure. But I think let's go to the phone lines at this point because I know around this time while we talk about the uh, about the epidemiology and we talk about the history of it all, um, there's sentimental stories and you love sharing them, don't you? So you can give us a call. That number is 089-310-8789. We are talking about the legacy that was and then how to um, continue that legacy into the future. Also, some really amazing papers were presented this week, and I do want to, you know, touch on them, get a sense from our guests as to, you know, what the um, point of those papers were, because intellectualizing the indenture story is really wonderful for a growth of a nation. So I think that's going to be a fascinating conversation we have here. But you can call us at 089-310-8789. We're on WhatsApp as well, 071-613-7803. The general belief in Chennai is that when it comes to superstars like Rajnikanth, they extend a fanfic and best be described as idol worshipping. The superstar is perhaps amongst the last of his kind after those like MGR and NTR and expanded his influence on the audience with his decision to enter the political arena. His is a persona that now has its own app and a website dedicated to his political entry. His larger-than-life stature is a phenomenon that most Indians have talked about at some point or the other. Not just Indians, even in Japan, it is estimated that in Tokyo alone, over 3,000 people are part of a Rajnikanth fan club. A few of his most ardent fans in Japan have reportedly even imported auto rickshaws, run a South Indian restaurant, worn T-shirts emblazoned with his face, grown moustaches, and even speak Tamil so they can follow his movies. This Sunday evening, it's Music Galore on SABC2. Words of wisdom to help you through the week and a life-changing testimony that will awaken your faith. It's Gospel Time, every Sunday at 9 p.m. only on SABC2, where you belong.
in the fifth episode of Playing for the Coach. The focus is on Gordon Igerson, a record-breaking coach in South Africa. Having become the only man to coach four different top-flight teams to the Premier Soccer League Championship, he started shining with Manning Rangers in the 1996-1997 season as the title-winning coach, then Orlando Pirates and Santos in back-to-back seasons. He added another title in 2006-2007 with Mamelodi Sundowns. There's more to Gordon Iggerson's name. Tune in to SABC One this Sunday at 2.30 p.m. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. Okay, so I just want to share with you some breaking news. Patricia DeLille forms a new party and this is after a whole lot of, um, I think, difficulty that she experienced within the Democratic Alliance. The former Cape Town mayor um, is now planning to form a new party. Not too much details at the moment. She is addressing the nation currently um, and the information coming through at this stage is that uh, the former Cape Town mayor wants to run. For 2019 polls. So likely to come into effect for the 2019 general election. That's going to be some interesting times. But to the phone lines we go and we are going to give your views a voice right now. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. Let's say hello to Mr. Louis Pillay. Hello there, sir. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to the listeners and good afternoon to our guests. I think, first of all, we must thank the people that came up in 1862 Joburg. I think for, for those people that built the Melrose Arch Temple, and that temple was built in 1863, I think we've got to thank them for that as well. And to, to, to take it further, you know, our people that came in from India from 18, 1880-1911, they were overpowered by the whites. And I, I want to thank Mahatma Gandhi in 1913, who caused the first strike, and he put down the tools to show the whites you cannot take advantage over the Indians. And I think that was a big thing. And then to talk about people that you know, changed South Africa, that built schools in our state aided, like Emil Sultan, R.K. Khan, B.K. Naya, and A.D. Lazarus, P.R. Potter, A.I. Kaji. We've got to thank them for that, especially VN Nike School. We must thank those people that put their own money and build schools for our state and to teach our people education. Thank you. Mr. Pillar, we appreciate your call today. Thanks so much for that. Go ahead. You can call us through and talk to us about your thoughts with regard to the commemoration of the arrival of the 1860 indentured laborers. Um, I think that that's often the sentiment that, you know, initially gets the conversation started, Satish, when you talk about, um, I think, the development that these indentured laborers put during that time. I mean, of course, their sole responsibility was to toil the sugarcane fields. But with whatever they were able to collect, save, um, you know, whatever pockets of land they acquired, they, I think the word is invested in it. Because instead of, you know, maybe building a bigger house so the family could live a bit more comfortably, they all lived on smaller spaces, but instead created education spaces and schools. Yes, I think it's very important that, uh, as Mr. Pillay said, uh, Louis Pillay, that uh, we do need to acknowledge the fact that we wouldn't be celebrating our cultures and our traditions and our religion if they didn't have the time to actually take 
make the effort to build churches, to build temples, to build mosques, so that we could continue with uh, our traditions and our culture. Um, Lots of the indentured were split up during uh, the time of indenture, and they could only meet on a Sunday. But when their term of indenture was over, they rejoined as family units. And the first thing they did is to build cultural institutes, schools, teach their children the language, teach them the traditions that we have. And because they invested in that, we today are reaping the benefits of that investment. It's like a fixed deposit, you know. Yeah. You earn interest every year. Yeah. So we are reaping the interest Absolutely. that they made when they did that initial deposit. You know, and that's precisely the question that I want to ask you now, Satish. You know, um, it, it, it just indicates then, or does it indicate then that... Um, 18, you know, what South Africans have now in 2018 was a vision of 1860, that they at that stage knew that this is what we need to do now in order for our, um, you know, uh, descendants to have a better life. And that that really speaks of, a, I think, a, a very clear guided forward planningness that these laborers brought to South Africa. I think it's remarkable because they came from different areas. They came yeah. from Bihar, Mysore, Calcutta, Madras. But when they landed here, they all worked together to keep the culture and traditions going. And they had a sense of unity to stick together. Um, I, I think also that we must look at the way we go on holidays today. We take Google Maps with us. We ensure that we can phone home in the evening and we make sure that we pack our toothbrush and everything and we can make a trip back to pick up something that we haven't got or somebody can courier to us. Uh, these indentured laborers didn't have the benefit of any of those things. Yeah. Um, we, we really enjoyed the luxuries of life. They came out here with virtually nothing, a small pack of clothing, but they stayed, endured the hardships, and then not only endured the hardships, they worked to actually ensure that we have our culture and tradition running uh, and that it continues for generations to come. Mm. So uh, I think we really owe them a great debt of gratitude for that. And, and that, I think that is why we focus so much on the indentured in this uh, yeah. country and with the various organizations yeah. that we have. You know, in previous years of, of covering this, and I think, you know, over the years, um, a lot of focus, I feel, has been, well, in terms of, of this particular talk show and having this conversation, um, has been on, on, on indenture the plight of um, the indentured laborer, what they were subjected to, the hours of work, conditions of work, the fact that a lot of the, you know, what they were so-called contracted was not given to them, um, torture, so many of those, of the, of, of the atrocities we've covered. I want to talk now more about once indenture was over and it, and it came more to the, to the choice that was open to these laborers, go back to India or stay and, continue to live in South Africa. Talk to me about when they decided to stay and live in South Africa. What were some of the challenges they faced at that point? Well, number one, the city of Durban uh, passed a rule that they could not live in the center of the city. And so they had to move out of the city. And uh, spots like Cato Manor and Clearwood were being used to actually house them. There was a farmer in the Clearwood area. Uh, it was called Montclair in those days. And he rented out some of his land to the people um, who then became farmers. And uh, while they did farming and they sold their vegetables, um, etc., the women weaved baskets, which they also sold. Um, community members got together because there were some businessmen by that time who had come down who put money together so that we could build temples and madrasas and uh, churches and, and the missionaries also played an important role in putting up the churches so we find that they started getting their family unit together mm -hmm. which is very important but more importantly is that they also 
learned to survive, um, you know, and take on jobs and do gardening, uh, fishing. And they, they were quite popular for these things and uh, they survived. So I always like to say that that parallel is not over because we can draw a parallel with poor people today who are still doing gardening and coming and selling vegetables on the yeah. streets. Yeah. So if you go to Prince Edward Street or the Bangladesh market, you will find people out there who are doing uh, gardening and who are selling their wares on the street, etc. Um, and I, one of the things I've said is that sometimes people get angry with those who are selling on the pavements. Let's not forget that our forefathers sold goods on the pavements also mm-hmm. in order to make a living. And from those goods that they sold on the pavement, we've got a generation that are now going to universities, etc. Yeah. On that point, Mr. Anand Jairaj, um, you know, and, and if you look at it, the, the Indians came to South Africa as laborers. And that wasn't a very specialized skill set. They were, you know, indentured laborers. Um, but as the generations grew on... Um, each descendant from that 1860 era continued to climb, get, gather more skill levels, gather more economic emancipation. You know, from primary school, it went to high school, then to university. Now it's gone to even postgrad. So I want to ask you about um, how these laborers managed to ensure that their families always got a better life than they had back in 1860. Yeah, the easy... The, the one of the effective ways of getting it into our, uh, you know, our mental picture mm. is to have a timeline. Yeah. You know what happens very often I notice, and the only time I started in understanding this, yeah. when I started getting into the timeline, get mind it set in there, uh, you know, otherwise you'll jump from one era to another era, yeah. and it becomes disparate. Right. So remember that when the 1816 dented laborers came. What the public knows, my experience is the public knows that the Indians came, the Truro came on the 16th, they came as cane cutters. But remember that also in that uh, uh, you know, contingents of laborers that came in, they were carpenters, skilled people were also included in there, also, although the majority of them came to work on the cane hmm. field. But skilled people also came and shared the skills here. There were yeah. some skill, skillful people. But then... As soon as the indenture expired, mm. they either re-indentured or went back, right? They re-indentured and it carried on from ni- 1860. There was a little, sh- there, there was a, a, a break in, in uh, importation in 1866, right? Get that important, right? Then in 1874, it resumed. From 1874 to 1911, it continued unabatedly, mm. right? And 1911, it was discontinued. The importation was discontinued, mm-hmm. right? So that's a very important year for us to get, you know, to get to the question right. that we have raised. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So, you know, from 1860, mm. 1866, 74 resumed. From that time to 1911, over 152,000 indentured laborers came here. Mm. Well, quite a number of them chose to go back. Mm. But what happened after 1911? The importation stopped. But those people that came in 1911 had to also see through the remaining period of five years indenture. So indenture was still carrying on yeah. until about uh, f- uh, five, about 19, I mean, eight, uh, 1916, right? Mm-hmm. And 1917, in the uh, indenture was abolished throughout the world, mm. right? So that is when they, uh, you know, felt like free to do certain right. things. Right, start to develop. And, and taking on from what uh, uh, Brother Satish has said, you know, uh, our Indians uh, Indians were involved in market gardening and things like that, and to, uh, to a large extent, more, uh, quite a few of them involved. This is what they turned to. The moment they, re- uh, they attained that freedom, that, you know, they, they became uh, free Indians, they tend to think like market gardening. Many were absorbed by the uh, um, 
diamond mines in Kimberley, yeah. coal mines in uh, Newcastle. They also were instrumental in constructing our railway tracks. A lot right. of Indians were involved in uh, railway tracks. So you see from that. But our forebears were visionaries right. in that they realized they did not have the education, the, the conventional education. They're not uneducated. They knew the text and they could read the own vernacular. Hmm. But as far as English is Absolutely. concerned, they were in English they were uneducated or things yeah. but they realized the shortcoming and made sure that they start building yeah. education institutions absolutely so i think uh, academic i mean so many aspects from you know from, from commerce industry trade in market gardeners to um, cooks to the creation of waiters. the infamous, uh, waiters to the creation of the infamous bunny chow there's been so many, uh, i think not a sector that an indian uh, that an indentured laborer hasn't dabbled with and created a bit of success, you know, if we go through. But I want to draw your uh, your focus on the academics of it, uh, specifically with um, the, the breaking down of the institution that was apartheid. And, you know, the role of the Indian origin person in that was quite great, wasn't it? It was. It's, tre- it's a tremendous uh, contribution to fighting apartheid and breaking dis- and dismantling apartheid. And if you look at all the uh, organizations from the Congresses, the Italian uh, Congress, African National Congress, uh, you look at the UDF, the Democratic Movement, and then you go on to Kusatu, uh, uh, Jane Aidu being involved yeah. in Kusatu. And then you look at the time when we did our constitution at Kodesa. Um, you find that there were a number of our people that were involved. So the reason our people got involved is not because you could earn any money out of it or anything of the sort. But it's because they took this country as their own. Mm. They developed a love for this country and a mm. passion for this country. And they wanted to see this country rid of the injustices, not just being perpetrated, perpetrated against them, but against all people of colour. They've paid a price, isn't it? A lot more Indians than just Ahmed Katrada who were on Robben Island. Yes. Um, there they are people who were thrown off buildings, thrown down flights of stairs, who were murdered in jail uh, by the security police during that time. And these are important stories that have to be told. Yeah. And... They, 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 you know, so we are saying that people gave their lives for the struggle, and we should remember that. And I think it's yeah. a very important contribution. Our history textbooks do not adequately reflect these things. Mm. So, um, an idea that I am going to be touting with our 1860 Heritage Center is that we approach all the schools and we give them the material so that every day in assembly. They could talk about one hero of our country. It doesn't necessarily have to be an Indian hero, but it would encompass all the colors of the Mm. people in this country. Because people don't even know who Chief Albert Tajuli is in schools. And I think the the reason why, you know, I I spoke about that and draw attention to the Robben Island story. Of course, that's a story of, I think any South African knows what Robben Island is and knows what it represents to you. And when you look at the narrative, um, you know, one needs to understand that by virtue of the fact that there were other prisoners of Indian origin there really means that it was an actual movement yes. that you know these um, descendants of the indentured labor so fought. We get high schools coming to our center and we take them on a tour. Before I go on a tour, I sit and talk to them for about half an hour to ascertain what they know. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things I am shocked at is that they are aware that Jacob Zuma and Nelson Mandela were there. Yeah. They are unaware of who Billy Nair is. Yeah. They are unaware that Sonny Singh was in Robin yeah, Island and yet he's yeah. still alive. Mac Maraj. Yeah. They, they've never heard of Natubamania. Mm. You know, you know, they've heard some of, some of the popular names, but some of the other names they've never heard of. Yeah. And I believe all these people have a story that is important and vital that needs to be told in this country.
Um, you know, interesting that you talk about Sunny Singh because tomorrow in our Legends series, we carry our focus on a Sunny Singh. He spent 10 years on Robben Island and Rachel Vadi will be profiling him tomorrow in our Legends. I'm so, really happy that you're doing that because yeah. he's a very humble man yeah. and he's very difficult to actually get to commit to being honoured publicly, etc. He right. is, <laughs> he's contributed so much for this country, but he would rather work than be yeah. acknowledged. Yeah. Um, and I have the greatest of respect for that kind of human yeah, being. Isn't it amazing to know these stories? But you know, interestingly, Satish, um, it's, uh, I got a text here. I think... I'm not sure who this is. I wish you had given me your name. Please text me your name. Um, I was shocked when I read about Indian kids aged seven and eight years old cutting cane. Now, there's so much of stories there. And I think, Mr. Jairaj, your organization, one of your tasks going forward is to inform many of the realities of of indenture. Um, And this is the response that you get when people are so shocked that they don't know exactly what was experienced on that field. You know, they don't understand the severity of that time. Explain that to us. Now, remember when it comes to indenture, we just talk about a few superficial things. But remember, this conference that we had on Friday, it had six different topics. And now the other one that you're talking about, the children mean is another field that we need to have to uh, yep. examine they were exploited there and and the reason why the children were uh, employed there were they could pay them less mm. you understand so th- there was there was a lot of exploitation but a lot of research has to be done there are you know uh, some records of it in the archives in Marisburg. so our academics who do the research need to get in there and sift out and that is what we feed on like you know this is we are doing this as voluntary organization we don't have the resources and time to do that but someone has to do that in-depth research sift out those data so it is put in a public uh, arena so we know how the children were also prejudiced and treated there yeah today we have people we have ccma so people have aggrieved and they go to ccma Mm. in those days when people didn't or made a mistake in their piece of work Mm. they were whipped and then salt water was thrown on their wounds and they were just left Mm. without medical attention yet in the promise of indenture it said you would receive the finest medical attention and care so uh, th- and there's a record of this kind of ill treatment on all the farms. Yeah. So um, our, the the people went through a really tough time, and this also applied to young young uh, children that were on the farm. Absolutely, uh, and you know, I I just think back to some of the papers presented by, I mean, the likes of I think it was Ms. Betty Govindan, um, and so many others. I know uh, Ms. Kalpana Hiralal as well presented some. The testimonies are gripping. And I think this is something that, um, and, and, and again, the point is not for Indian origins of Africans to understand this, for South Africans South to understand it. So you yes. understand that everybody in this country has a place. And I think on that point, though, Satish, let's move it now to, to 2018. And, and, and we can't hide away from this fact. And this is really something I wanted to spend some time this year focusing on a lot, um, the marginalization of the minority. We cannot hide from the fact that the Indian origin South African within their 2018 context is often picked on, criticized by some influential people as well for not being true descendants of of South Africa, for not um, being, um, you know, strong enough contributors to, to, to South Africa. And these highlight the kind of challenges that the, the, the modern Indian of um, South African of Indian origin faces. We can't hide away from that, can we? Tanish, I admire you for bringing this to the forefront. This is a topic that 
should be discussed by every politician who is worth his salt. So I'll tell you, the, the thing is that we should be regarded as South Africans, mm. along with everybody else. And in every race group, there are manipulators, there are people who are corrupt, and there are people who will take advantage of poorer people and laborers, etc. But when that happens, we should not look at the race of the person. We should look at a person as being corrupt, etc., and pick him, uh, pick on him, and get him sorted out for having done that. As an individual. But in, yeah. Yeah. But in this country, what happens is that we've actually got political figures who tend to pick on race groups and say that this entire race group is exploiting people, etc. And, and and that is totally untrue. Uh, you cannot generalize like that. Yeah. And it's sad that we have political figures who are doing this. Mm. And I would expect not. Indians to come to the defense of it, but other South Africans to step up and say, that is wrong. Because today, you'll be picked on the Indians. Tomorrow, you'll be picking on other groups. Yeah. And, and I think that it's time to actually put a stop to that. We need... And you know, one of the uh, things is that it indicates that we're all victims of apartheid. Mm. Apartheid taught us separate development. Yeah. And it instilled in each group a dislike for each other. They, they tried very hard to keep that dislike yeah. going because if we had unity, we would all overcome mm. apartheid. And it's a subconscious conditioning. So that, that conditioning still... is carried forward, but sadly it's carried forward into a generation that wasn't even born under, under apartheid. Yeah. You know, but it, somehow it's been carried forward into them and mm. they are perpetuating this kind of apartheid thinking today. Yeah. And we need to rise above yeah. it. Yeah. Because the damage, Satish, I want to spend some time on the damage there. You know, what 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 does it um, send out to the Indian origin person today when, you know, the, the rhetoric is that, well, you're not an authentic member of this country. What does it do to that South African of Indian origin? Well, I think that a lot of people get demoralized yeah. um, in, in the community and they start uh, figuring out, oh, oh, you know, is this really my country? And as far as I'm concerned, I'm born and brought up here. And so are so many other people. I have, my, I have a cousin who gave his life for this country. He was killed, murdered. And um, there yeah. are, my uncle and auntie spent years in being banned and yeah. under house arrest. Yeah. And there's other people who gave their lives, lost their lives mm. in the struggle of this country. Other people who went to jail and gave up 15 years and 20 years of their life in jail. Mm. And this is all washed away by some politician who's not done much, but has this ability to divide people. Now, I think that we need to actually move away. Mm. So first thing, my plea to government is, why do you keep looking at us as a divided group of people? Why on all the application forms do you need to know our race? Mm. I'm a member of the human race and I'm a South African. Yeah. Uh, why is it on all our forms that we have to state what nationality and race group mm. we belong to? Yeah. Mr. Jiraj, apart moving away from that, from the, the issue of identity, the issue of belonging, and, and, and you know, I think being criticized for not being a true uh, South African, whatever that is supposed to mean, I don't know. But the day-to-day -day challenges that... Um, people of Indian origin face, whether it's economics, whether it's crime, whether it's, you know, um, I, th I think just a, a, a lack of security, financial security, financial freedom, these conditions still exist. Yes, conditions exist. Uh, I would like, I just like to highlight one misperception. Mm. The perception amongst the majority of the South Africans is that the, P the South Africans of Indian descent are affluent or rich, but they don't realize a number of them, a vast majority of them, actually poor. Yeah. Right. And because of the successes of the few individuals where they, you know, they, 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 the riches, so-called partner, where they're flaunting the riches, they think that all Indians are 
well off. Yeah. That's not true. That that must go down. The other thing about the current situation is that there's a lot of mischief making and politicking that's taking place. People are using this, you know, uh, the uh, you know a few. Uh, tactic that they learned from the apartheid government to divide and rule. divide and rule that's yes. a, that's what yeah. and they're using those tactics and now it's not a question of um, uh, y- y- you know it's um, uh, y- that we get get integrated the talk about social cohesion yeah. but it seems to be a ho- whole lot of hot air actually but mm. when it comes to the the crooks of the matter you realize that people will invoke certain issues in order to uh, divide and and one of the division divisive is to brand us and paint us with the same brush yeah. and that is why we are seen as a separate entity we are not the separate entity we are part of south africa and we need to be treated as well yeah. right? and and and, the, and we must not be seen as a privileged group that's important thing yeah and i think more to talk about as we continue and wrap up our conversation but i'd love you to share your stories remember you can call us 0893108789 uh i think it's also very good at this stage while we talk about uh, so many of the issues that we've uncovered on the show one of the wonderful things is when you call through and share a story because i love listening to that and i think everybody else at home also loves um the nostalgia of that story so call us through 0893108789 The world's best football league is now available to all. Manchester United battles it out with Crystal Palace in the Premier League match of the week. What a matter is Manchester United the league. The Crystal Palace supporters stumped again. The Red Devils targets maximum points against the Eagles at the Theater of Dreams Old Trafford. Catch this clash live on the Premier League's home SABC3 this Saturday at 4:30 p.m. Proud report to you by SABC Sports for the love of the game. Let's go to the phone lines and say hello to Selvin. Hello Selvin. Hi, Charles. Believe you me, everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I just jumped in my vehicle and put the radio on. I see Lotus there and the golden voice of Thomas. <laughs> But J-Rod, Mr. J-Rod, did yes. a fantastic job. Yeah. I want to just capitalize on one aspect of things. I said it in the past and I'm saying it now. They must not kill the goose that's laying the golden egg. Our children are intelligent, dynamic. Please, stop this affirmative action. Let our children go into the same medical schools. Do not let them go and qualify outside. And then even when they qualify, they can't get in here and they practice. You don't allow them to write the exams. That's the issue I'm concentrating on because others are going to phone and talk about the same old things that's happening. Please, this government needs to appreciate the value of us. Tarish, you continue with the great job you're doing with creating awareness. God bless you, sir. Thanks so much, Selvan. Appreciate your call. Let's go to Anonymous now. Hello, Anonymous. Hi, good day to you. Mm. Uh, I, I'd like to say something, you know, uh, I've been at a, a hotel in Chatsworth on Friday. I don't want to mention the name, I know it's not uh, possible. Yeah. And <clears throat> this hotel has a museum in it. Yeah. This Indian indentured laborers. And you know, I was amazed to read the stuff that's on the walls there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've learned so much more there and I was mm. shocked to know Yeah. That you know how people were treated in the yes. time and you know what went on. And then I was standing there reading thing and looking at those pictures on the wall. Mm. And then I tried to figure out that little kid called Julius Malema. How does he know or what does he know about Indians for him to you know make the statement Indians must go back I to India. I Pardon? Hello? Hi, Anonymous, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. 
So that that was my point, you know. I'm trying to figure out why would he make statements like that must go back to India when he knows absolutely nothing about how the Indians came to South Africa in the first place. They weren't brought here, told that they're coming to work on the cane fields and they're going to be punished and stuff like that. They were brought here not knowing, right? They were told uh, lies and brought mm. in here, mm. right? And uh, unfortunately for him, he believes that Indians came and they're all living in you know, uh, all fork and knife and eating roast and stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Anonymous, I get your point loud and clear. Thanks, thanks so much for raising the point with us. Thank you for that. And I think, yeah, we were touching on that uh, about the, you know, responsibility, I think, of um, influential people with regard to the statements they make about this. Thanks so much for that point, Anonymous. Um, interesting. I mean, we were just talking about that, gentlemen. The, I mean, you know, we obviously for... Um, you know, the sake of our conversation, those represented here, we didn't really refer it to any particular person. But a caller there, you know, he raises the issue that he takes quite umbrage, uh, a great deal of umbrage to. Um, you know, it points back to the whole issue of um, education with regard to um, what the story actually is. So I, I think um, Selden raised an important uh, point about affirmative action and education. What I've discovered is that I have lectured in uh, tertiary institutions uh, in journalism, and I find that uh, the kids tell me that they don't really, and I'm talking about kids of color now, different colors, the, this tertiary, uh, the, this affirmative action works against uh, kids who graduate because people say, oh, wait a minute, you graduated and you only got to university because you're a certain color, but you're not really intelligent. And, and that's wrong because there are a number of kids that are very intelligent so we need to move away from this quota system and allow people to go into universities simply because they have attained the correct marks to go to universities. On merit. And perhaps on merit. Yeah. And also, that would, that would make every profession and every person working in those professions reputable and respected. Um, currently, you find that some of the people's own communities don't respect them because they say, no, no, you just got there because of your color. And it, it's not acceptable, so we'd rather go to another doctor or another person. And yeah. so, so we need to move away from that. Um, yeah. I, I think the way to move away from it is to create more educational institutions. Absolutely. Well, quickly to the phone lines, trying to get as much as we can. Uh, we've got, I think it's Patricia from Peter Maritzburg. Hello, Patricia. Hi, Karish. Hi, Patricia. Yes. Hi, and hi to your guests as well and to the listeners as well. Great topic. Karish, I really think that... Um, all about our forefathers uh, uh, coming from India, leaving their motherland and homelands, and all the way making it away. And most of them lost their lives uh, on the way as well and were treated so cruelly like animals. It actually, when I read about it or hear about it, it brings tears to my eyes, you know, because our own people and treated so badly. Mm. And, you know, they struggled so much. To, to build, to make life for themselves and their families. And yeah. I think, you know, they should really be taught in schools and everybody should know, all, yeah. every South yeah. African also, not only, and also the whole world should know about uh, what, the, what a struggle our, our forefathers were in through, you know, and that's making it so much more easier for us to live here. And, and now we are called, you know, we are proud. 
uh, Indian South Africans. It was all because of our forefathers, you know, who paved the way yeah. so hard for yeah. us. And it should be taught in school, I think, just as we learn about all the other people, you know, uh, and it's going down in history. Why Why is uh, all about our forefathers and the struggle is swept under the carpet? It should be brought into light. It should be taught in schools, and everybody must know about the struggle and learn about it. Yeah. Patricia, I'll leave it there with you. Thanks so much. I think a valid point. You know, teach this, I think, more vigorously and um, with a bitter amount of research at many levels. Thanks for the call, Patricia. Let's go to Dr. Preeti Jairaj. Hello, Dr. Jairaj. Hi. Excellent show. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for providing this platform. I just want to make a comment on the issue of marginalization of South Africans of Indian descent that you chatted about a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. I think... You know, we as individuals at grassroots levels cannot sort of take on the likes of big political um, leaders, but we can do things at grassroots levels. Um, For example, you know, things like having a conversation in your tea room, or if this issue comes up around the bride, let us tackle it the way our ancestors would have tackled it, with education. Let us educate people who hold these views in our circles, in our social circles, let us educate these people who suggest to undermine our yeah. ancestors' yeah. contributions and let's yeah. direct them to places like the 1860 Yeah, uh, That's exactly what I wanted to say. I mean, in order to educate and stop it and nip it in the bud, so to speak, one needs to be, you know, presented with the information and these exactly. spaces become the focal point. So we as a community can do things on an everyday basis to educate our children, to educate our peers, to educate our colleagues on whatever level of what our ancestors had to endure. Thank you. Appreciate your call there, Dr. Jairaj. Well, when we come back, we're going to wrap up our conversation with our guests. And we've got quite a lot of WhatsApp texts that I want to get through. There's a couple of questions as well. I think some um, some direction uh, to talk about um, going to, I think, track your roots. Stay tuned. It's finally time to unwind with friends and family. Trellidor understands that the last thing you want to think about is security. So don't. Instead, do the things you really want to, like splashing out on that big screen TV for those binge sessions, or spending hours catching up with friends in real life instead of just online. Whatever you're doing this festive season, security is not something you want to be thinking about, which is why we design every Trellidor product with your peace in mind. Trellidor, the ultimate crime barrier. It's exam season, but that's no reason to panic. So whether you're trying to catch up or just take a short break, Hectic 99 has got you covered. Tune in every single day from Monday to Fridays right here on Hectic 99, 4.30 to 5pm to catch the best teen entertainment right here on SABC2, where you belong. Where you belong. The final EFC fight night of the year on Saturday, 8 December at Times Square in Menlo. Headlined with two title fights plus massive heavyweight clashes. The granite jawed Andrew Fonseil goes head to head with England's Stuart Austin. This Sunday, watch when Austin clashed with the Bulaway Obama Elvis Moyo. EFC, every Sunday at 10 p.m. on SABC3. Brought to you by SABC Sport. Okay, it's time to wrap up our conversation now. And I think a lot of sentiment coming through and we even touched about, uh, touched on the the um, heritage, the challenges. And I think what was important was to talk about, um, you know, the 
current challenges that the indentured, um, sorry, the uh, descendants of the indentured labourer faces. To wrap up our conversation now, and yes, Mr. Jairaj, I know that specifically during this week, a lot of resolutions were taken. If you could briefly tell us about the way forward to keep this conversation going. In in fact, there are two points that I'd like to make to the listeners, and I'd Mm. like to thank them for tuning in and and listening to this conversation. Lots to be said. It's limited time. You cannot cover it. But there were six papers that were presented, and of course, the first one was uh, delivered by Professor Gulam Wyatt, who gave us an overview of indenture. Then uh, Dr. Betty Govan spoke about women in in indenture. Then we had uh, Professor Rajan Meskri spoke about language in indenture. Mm. Professor Kalpana Hiralal, who we mentioned earlier, she also spoke about education in indenture. And Dr. Hemant Nobel spoke about stress and psychological effects of indenture. And of course, it was rounded up by Professor Ashwin Desai, who spoke about the influence of indenture on current South Africans of Indian descent. Yeah. Right. So those wide ranging and we still have to co- cover a few more topics like right. the children you're talking about. Yeah. But the important thing about the last few callers that mentioned over there, there was a resolution yeah. that was taken. There were a couple of resolutions but the important thing that they raised is that the resolution was this foundation I'm talking about the 1860 Indentured Laborers Foundation. They make the necessary effort to persuade the government of the Republic of South Africa and the authorities responsible for education to incorporate the history of Indian indenture in South Africa as an integral part of the history syllabi at primary, secondary and tertiary levels yeah. in education. I think that's a very important resolution we have taken. And in implementing this resolution, the foundation cooperate with organization and movements which espouse similar aims, objectives and aspirations. I think that's a very important message that we've got to give to everybody. So Let us all fight towards integrating. The problem in our South Africa is that where many of our, even our politician people, lack the knowledge of history. Mm. We need to revisit that and, and get yeah. acquainted. People and like Julius Malemanor need to know history before they start opening the mouth. Yeah, and that becomes the focus for your organization. Thank Thanks you very, very much. much for that. Uh, a, a message from Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli. Your guests are so in-depth with our history. Forebearers worked and left a legacy not only for us, but South Africa as a whole. Let's take our history to the nation. Keep up the beautiful work. Um, I think that's that's the that, that's very interesting because I mean I think in recent uh, specifically in the past two years I'll have to say Satish uh, fascinating papers being presented and it's it's mm. great I mean I attend these forums and 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 I go and I listen to it but I wonder how many people do you know not the majority of South Africans so how best to get that that fascinating work out into the public domain okay. so we have a Facebook page called 1860 Heritage Center and we have a website called 1860 heritagecenter.com. I think one of your um, WhatsApp yeah. messages uh, said they went to CEO yeah. uh, We are on 1860heritagecenter.com. And you one. will find that we've got a lot of papers over there prepared by uh, respected historians in the field and papers that have been presented at conferences. And we're hoping that Anand will share his yes. papers uh, as well. I would we like can to put it up over I would there like to well. come in here. We also have a Facebook uh, yeah. created by my daughter. It's 1860 Indentured Laborers Foundation Verlum. That's a Facebook. And she's also created a blog as well and the blog is https uh, colon slash slash forward slash forward slash 1860indentureWordpress.com yeah. and you can get all the information we're going to start posting important Absolutely. information that's the way forward then Satish Yes. yes, that's a yes. Way. There's a lot of work to, to do, yeah, but we are not stopping. Yeah, yeah. we're going to yeah. go full full steam ahead. Well, I think that's a fascinating uh, project to take through, and I think um, because ultimately, and I don't think we spent too much of time on this because we had our own agenda to get through. Um, how do you how do you get this? 
uh, into the minds of young people so that at some point this 1860 commemoration still continues. So they will have to leave it there. Thank you very much to our guests today and we really appreciate your time. It's been a busy week. Satish Dupelia from the 1860 Heritage Centre and Mr. Anand Jairaj, the executive member of the 1860 Indentured Labourers Foundation in Verulam. Thank you, Tarish. Uh, to you and to the Lotus FM team, thank you very much for always coming to the fore and helping us to promote this uh, I think that's topic. our purpose. Well, we'll leave it at the broadcast. Kemi Wake, courtesy of the team, executive producer Salma Patel and Rachel Vadi. Uh, the team is going to be joining you uh, between 6 and 7 o'clock uh, tomorrow for another edition of Newsbreak. And uh, they'll be bringing you more information. Yes, lots to talk about now. Patricia Delal running for 2019, as we've just heard. So you keep it locked on to Newsbreak. We'll bring you all of that. From Itarish, hey, have an awesome day. Newsbreak, Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.